0: going to read from Titus chapter 1 Paul writes to Titus one of his uh, evangelists working with him now at that stage on the island of Crete and at the island there was a new congregation formed and now that Paul has gone further to preach the gospel he put Titus in charge and then he says to them to uh, to him to elect elders to with him uh, take care of the flock of the Lord. Titus chapter 1 verse 5 through to the end of verse 9. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished, And appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be a hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. May God give us an understanding of this word, and to his name be glory and praise. My dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, over the next few weeks, as we are leading up to the election of elders, you will hear the word of God preached to you about eldership. This is to help the congregation to when they take the ballot paper to look at the names in front of them and then apply the biblical standards as they vote for possible candidates. We don't vote for people whom we consider good friends. We don't put a tick alongside the name of someone who at a distance may look like he is going to do good as an elder. Now, we take the, the election of elders serious as we first ask ourselves, what does God' word God's word say about the eldership? Then we ask about the task they should do as the Bible sees it. That's the main thing, the Bible. What does the Bible say, and how should we then react to that? It is therefore legitimate and correct to ask about the heart of an elder and also about the character of an elder. These aspects of eldership are clearly spelled out in the Scriptures. They are essential and not optional. But first the question to the children. What does the name Presbyterian church means? I had someone this week who found it very hard to spell the word Presbyterian. As a matter of fact, I heard they said in one of the census uh, they, they took uh, the national census uh, they found that they were about Sixteen ways in which you can spell Presbyterian. So, why this this name that we can't even find in the in the English dictionary? What is the? Why do we call our church Presbyterian? Would the children know that? Where's Logan today? Okay. I thought he'd know. Uh, Presbyterian, and, and if the children don't know that, would, would, would anyone else know what what Presbyterian means? Yeah, elders—that's what it means. A pres a presbuteros in Greek means an elder. So there you've got it. We've got a church governed or ruled by elders, and therefore we call ourselves the Presbyterian Church because. Uh, A presbyteros when you put two or three or four or five together you've got presbyteroi that's the plural of that and when you put them all together in a meeting you call that a presbytery and in our way of uh, church government we say first of all we have a session I'm just honest I, I must be honest I don't know where we got the word session from but in my younger days, when I grew up, a session meant completely suffering something different. <laughs> a session then meant you, you went to some world party or something. Uh, maybe some session meetings are like that, but uh, it's not really that. But a session then, and when we put all the presbyteries or representatives of the local sessions together, we've got a presbytery. When we put representatives out of all the presbyteries together, we've got an assembly. But all of those who would go to these places are elders, including the ministers. The ministers are elders too. They are just teaching elders, while others would be ruling elders. Okay, so... I hope you understand why we are a Presbyterian church. We, we differ from other churches like the Episcopal churches where the, the, the ruling of the, the, uh, the local uh, congregation is, 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 is one person. He might be the bishop or whatever. Or even in the Roman church where there's only one leader in the end and that's the Pope. But then uh, you take it back from there, you get all sorts of other things like uh, cardinals and archbishops and bishops and archdeacons and deacons and whatever. Other things that I don't even know. I I must say, you know, in my life I have uh, come across a lot of people, but I've never shaken a hand with an archdeacon for one thing. I don't know if if you have done that or an archbishop for, for that matter. And then of course there are the independent churches where the congregation as a whole rules the church by a form of democracy. There is no leader there. Everyone is a leader. And therefore the church decides for themselves what they want. Which is of course is a very dangerous thing and it's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that the 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 congregation should be ruled by the word of God, by God in Jesus Christ himself as revealed in the word of God. And therefore, there must be people who would see to it that the Bible and the standard of the Bible is always maintained within the church. And that's why we've got elders. We believe that we modeled the church, the Presbyterian church, on what we found in the scriptures. So, we must understand that, therefore, that the ministry of elders is a God-ordained ministry. The passage, from passages like Acts chapter 20 and others, we learn that the eldership is a ministry that the church cannot do without. We read about that also in Exodus chapter 18 today it is not something that some church assembly concocted some way in the distant past we can defend the eldership from the bible as a god-given ministry to the church and therefore it is an important ministry it is not an optional ministry in the uh, optional ministry in the church it is a very uh, important ministry now, what are elders? In short, they are overseers. Elders are appointed in the church of the Lord to oversee, and that does not mean that they rule it over the, the church of God, or that they lord it over the church of God. It is just that they act as leaders. As uh, it is, they it is their task to be like watchmen on the wall. Their task is to proclaim the will of God. To caution with the word of God and to provide leadership from the word of God, and in everything, the word of God is the most important. I want to to uh, to uh, uh, repeat this: the task is to proclaim the will of God, to caution with the word of God, and to provide leadership from the word of God. Elders are also shepherds. Elders are called. Uh, not to lord it over the people of the Lord, but to shepherd them. Ezekiel chapter 34 is describes the heart of an elder. An elder is the one who would sh- be like a shepherd, providing strength to the weak, healing for the sick. Pastorally, they are called to bind up the injured of heart. Elders must have a heart for the lost sheep. Searching for the stray and lost to bring them back into the fold. Elders must protect the flock against the attack of the one who seeks to scatter them. In short, elders must have a personal knowledge of the shepherd of the flock, the Lord Jesus Christ. What follows from their relationship with the Lord is the desire to see that the sheep in the flock are cared for. They must have a desire and an ability to pray for and with the people of God. They must have a passion and ability to go and to look for those who are still living in darkness of sin and bring them to the shepherd, which is Jesus Christ. Elders must keep watch. Why? Because we live in a sinful world. There is an enemy out there who just seeks to devour the flock of God. Elders are on the outposts guarding the church from onslaughts from the evil one. In the process, they need to constantly keep watch, not only over the church, but over themselves. Their own lives should be an example and attractive In their personal intimate relationship with the Savior, they find the charge to care for the flock with passion of the heart of the Savior himself. In the end, every elder, and that includes the ministers, must give an account to the Savior how they discharge of their ministry. And this very fact can be a heavy, heavy burden on on everyone, I mean, on me, it it, it it's just, it's constantly this burden that I know that somewhere in future, on the day of the return of the Lord, I will give account as to what I have done in terms of my ministry. Now today, from Titus one, we will give some guidance from the Bible regarding the standards of elders under this topic, the character and the life of an elder. In general, the, the role of leadership is one of example. Behind anything, we what we say is what we are. And that is why in this text, starting with verse 5 and running down to verse 9, you don't hear anything about teaching until you've come to verse 9. The character of the man is the foundation of his preaching and teaching because the pattern of his life is the platform of his proclamation. Leadership is basically a spiritual virtue, spiritual character, spiritual maturity, godliness, holiness, righteousness, integrity of life that sets a pattern for others to follow. An elder is a leader, That is someone who lives a life that others want to copy. And I say this knowing that I should be living that way too. And and I'm not. And I'm constantly asking that the Lord will give me that grace. That I will be an example. We are not mere managers. We've got a committee or a board of management. They do the management of the church. Elders are here to, uh, not here to organize or to structure the church, but to mobilize the church to service in God's kingdom by taking everyone in the church by the hand as we lead in the front. All pastors and elders are here to become patterns That you would desire to follow people you would want uh, to become like because their pattern for you in everything they do should be from the word of God. The apostle John writes to a certain woman and her children right in the beginning of that letter he introduces himself as an elder and then he continues to call them children he and they understood that spiritual leadership is a kind of parenting role where you live before the people you set an example before them as well as teaching and instructing them and then they walk with you they walk with you did you play ever play that game that we played as children follow your leader yeah. you do everything he does and in some ways an elder is that one who could say follow me now when we look at the family of an elder John MacArthur Jr. writes about these verses in, and uh, comments then if you want to know whether a man lives an exemplary life if you want to know whether he can lead someone to faith in Christ by the power of his own virtue, if you want to know whether he can teach the truth, if you want to know whether he can model it, whether he is consistent, whether he can lead people to salvation, lead them to holiness, lead them to serve God, then look at the most intimate relationship in his life and see if he can do it there. See if he has integrity there. See if the credibility is there. Therefore, we read in these words that from Paul to Titus, an elder is called to God and lead the flock because he has to look at his own family. First, <clears throat> he will have to then say, Thus saith the Lord. When someone is called into the leadership role of the church to teach and to help others to grow in the Lord, he will have not only... To do it in words, but he has to do it in acts. This is how to live, he should say, by my life. This is how you conduct yourself. This is how you are to raise your children. This is how you pass godliness from one generation to the other. But let's say this leader cannot do that. Then you have the right to say, wait a minute. You've got wild and uncontrolled children yourself who live in rebellion and reject the gospel. You see, that's the point. That's why the Apostle Paul says he must be a man of one wife and he must control his children and his children according to uh, to these... Uh, Uh, Verse, This verse, verse 6, a man whose children believe and who are not open to charge of being disobedient. God saves people through the means of godliness in the lives of others. And if I am in my own home committed to living a godly life, a virtuous life, and to proclaiming the saving gospel truth, And this then is lived out in integrity. There is every reason to believe that God in His grace will use that to redeem my children. But it might not always happen. That is the sad case of it all. I've had how many friends, good friends in the ministry, who with tears every night would pray for their children. But the point is, if a person neglected his God-given duty to lead his children in the fear of the Lord while they were still in his home under his care, And they, because of their unbelief as a result of that neglect, live in such a way that they bring reproach to that man, it would disqualify that person for the eldership. Purely because the Bible tells us that an elder must rule his household well and that his children must be believers because they saw the example of their father in godly living. It might be therefore argued that some children after they left their father's home and they got married and then they become wayward uh, in the ways of the Lord, that that elder should be held responsible for them in the same way? No. But it stands that this waywardness of the child must not be because of the lack of the teaching of the father when they were still in the father's care. Further, the waywardness of the child even after he left home, should not be of such kind that it constitutes a charge of being wild and rebellious. If what this child says and do in public would openly bring his father in disrepute, sometimes it might be a call on the elder to perhaps resign. And it doesn't happen all the time. and We pray that God will give grace so that the example set in the house will be followed through life. And I I weep with those who have seen their children gone wayward. I weep with those who still want to see the outworking of the gospel in their children's life so that they may come to faith in the Lord. but it is true when there's waywardness open waywardness against the gospel then and it becomes a public thing then an elder should perhaps ask or a person should ask himself am i am i cut out for this job Therefore, an elder should be a faithful husband. An elder should be a man of one wife, meaning that he must honor his marriage. The reason, of course, is that the relationship between Christ and his church is expressed as a relationship between husband and wife. If the elder does not honor his own marriage, who will he be able to call? Will he then be able to call the bride of Christ into a pure and godly relationship with Christ? There are other requirements too. And they are too many to go through in detail in one sermon. And I'll do another sermon, Lord willing, on this. They are mentioned in verses 7 to 9. And it has to do with the moral life of an elder. It speaks for itself that if he is successful in faithful in being a good example to his own family in his house, he will be, of course, an example to the rest of the community and the church. He will be will not be a self willed and arrogant and quick tempered and, and a drunkard or a violent person or a dishonest person. It speaks for itself that he will be hospitable, loving what is good. He will be a self controlled person, upright, holy and disciplined. And each one of these words carry within itself uh, so much that sometimes I just plead for God's grace in my own life. Just a few remarks from Second John, we hear about the fact that an elder must be honest, and hospitality stood out stand out as a mark of an elder. It flows from his love for the Lord that he would love others. After all, he is but a steward of what is entrusted to him. And he will understand to share in this hospitality and love that he already receives from the Lord. The word upright in verse 9 refers to someone who walks in the ways of the Lord. Therefore, an elder must be someone who understands the teachings of the Bible. He must love the Bible and sound doctrine. His life must be governed by the word in each and every aspect. Why? Because from this word, he must teach. He must rebuke. He must encourage. He can't do it if he does not know the word it is very important therefore dear brothers and sisters in the Lord as we heard about God's standards for the leaders of his church we know that they are high And sometimes I I myself feel I'm not living up to it it's too high But on the other hand, we must understand that God honors a church where biblical leadership is godly and where it is according to the standards of God's word. You must now pray fully, honestly, with the word of God in one hand and when you receive that, the ballot paper in the other, cast your vote according to the standards of God's word. And we must be honest and say when we see the names on the list and it does not correspond with what the Bible says we should not vote that way. Session decided that we would love to elect four elders for our church here in Kerrang. That is our ideal. That is what we want to see. But if it comes to the point and you have to vote, and you say, well, I can't vote for four people. Then it's good. I can only vote for one, maybe. Then that's good. We are not going to just say, well, we need four, we're going to get four. We need men who are willing to lead by example according to the word of God. Then we will see the blessing of God on his church. Let us pray. Our Father, we we understand from your word that the requirements are high and we understand also, Lord, that we fall short. But we understand also, Lord, that you are holy and therefore you want your church to be holy. You want the body of the Lord Jesus Christ to be to be ruled by men willing to serve the Lord with a complete heart. And Lord, personally, I know that even the encouragement the minister can get from Uh, Godly men is invaluable. And the teamwork that comes from a group of men who with one heart and one mind seek the will of God for his church, it is just beyond any price. And therefore, Lord, we pray that in these coming weeks, as we hear your word, that you will work in our hearts and our minds and help us, Lord, to elect people according to this word and according to your declared will. In Jesus' name, amen.